Good morning, everybody. Are you well this morning? It's really good, really, really good to see you this morning. If I haven't wished you Happy New Year, I, you know, one of those things in the New Year is when do you stop saying Happy New Year? Like, is it the 15th of January? Is it the end of January? Is it how far do you go when you say, you know, compliments of the season, Happy New Year, I hope it's a good year for you. I think we're still this side of 15th of January, so we can still wish each other well for this year. And I really do. I am look, I'm so looking forward to this year. I'm so looking forward to what God's going to be doing, obviously, in our togetherness. But in terms of myself, my family, our business, everything that we are part of, friends, we need to look forward to what God is going to be doing. We are people that believe. Amen? Jesus was, it's not part of my preach, but Jesus was asked the question. He said, what must we do to be part of those who belong to Christ? And the answer was, well, you must believe. And I would encourage you this year, as Chaz has alluded to friends, I would encourage you this year that you must believe this year that this year is going to be a better year. It's not going to be the repeat of last year. We don't want the repeat of last year. We want the new things in Christ. Amen? And so as we push forward, friends, as we take hold of the call of God over our church, over our lives, we trust for new things. And so that's what I'm trusting for, that we would believe, friends. So good morning to you. Good morning to those that are online. I believe we are streaming this morning, so it's really good to have you with us. Um, this morning, friends, as you know, we like to preach through uh, uh, journeys. We call them journeys. In other words, preaching about a specific topic for a couple of weeks on end. But we haven't quite got there yet. And so this is a free Sunday. So I was given liberty to preach about anything. And that's exciting. It is. It's, it's, it's really, it's not often that you get to preach about what, well, what is, what's on your heart or what's, in, you know, what's important to you. And so this morning... I want to be preaching, friends, about living a life worth living. Living a life worth living. I do not want to get to the end of my days, friends, and, and live or, or, or die with regrets. There is enough life in me still to redeem some of what I have made a mess of. But there's enough life in me, friends, as well, as Paul says, to press on. I love that, the language, press on, push on, to take hold of that for which God took hold of you. And so my encouragement, friends, is to live a life worth living. So we're going to have a look at a couple of verses. We're going to have a look at a couple of people in the Bible. And I trust that you will be encouraged by what is effectively actually a very simple message this morning. It's not groundbreaking. You're probably going to have heard all of this preached at least a couple of times over. But my prayer is that the Holy Spirit, He's the Spirit of truth. He's the teacher. Is that He will take something of what is said or even in the way that it is said. And that He will stir your heart this morning. A couple of disclaimers up front. It's humid today, right? It's been humid for a couple of days actually. Been pretty warm in Zululand, but then we are in January, so we have to expect it. So, a couple of disclaimers, friends, is if you've been in the church and you've seen me preaching, you will know that I perspire. So, I've got my faithful little face cloth, 
And if you see me dabbing down someone on, on, on online the last time I preached, he said, I felt so sorry for you, Quinton. I was wishing someone would run out of the congregation and come and give you something just to wipe your face with. Because unfortunately, I get passionate, I get worked up, I get emotionally vested, and so I get, I perspire. I won't say I sweat, I perspire. Or as our, as our Zulu friends, they've got a lovely term, they say, Yajaluga. <laughs> Anyways. So Chaz, Chaz alluded to friends, 21, well, 21 years ago, Outlook Church started. Um, but who was here, the question I'd like to ask is, who was here when we started building this building? Just raise your hands quickly. <clears throat> Can you remember the foundations that were dug for these walls? Do you remember the foundations? I remember walking onto the site, friends, when, when, when the excavation of the foundations had begun, and I was like, surely they've made a mistake here. I mean, the foundations, I, lit, I, I kid you not. Herman, stand over there for me. I need to give you an idea, because I'm not lying. And Herman, he was here, so he can tell me if I'm lying. The foundations, friends, were probably about this wide. They were this wide. And they were probably about this deep. There was a TLB. I mean, if you've dug, I've dug foundations, all right? You dig foundations typically with a spade. We had a TLB digging foundations for Outlook Church. Now, to me, it's prophetic that, but I don't want to get into, into that. Thanks, bud. This morning, friends, I want, to sp- I want to speak about laying life foundations in our lives. Because you see, what you get to build upon is the foundation that you steadily every day are laying in your life. The people will get to see the bells and the whistles and all the pretty colors and the, and the, 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 the walls and the, and, and, and the, the, not the facade, because that's got a negative connotation, but, but the decoration. But what we don't pay attention to, friends, is the foundation. And so I'd love, turn with me to Genesis 12. We're going to read verses 1 to 3. If you've got a Bible, please do turn there. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Because I want to speak about foundations in our lives this morning, friends. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. If you know um, your Bible, you'll, you'll remember that this is, we get to the point of where Abraham is being called. And this is the call that God gave Abraham. Verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. So please note that Abraham had to leave some things not knowing where it was that he was going. Abraham had to leave fully trusting that what he, what he was going to would be better than what he left. I will make you into a great nation. Please pay attention and note how many times God speaks about what he will do. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed by you. So we see God, friends, 
speaking to Abraham and saying, you have to leave and you have to journey. And as you journey, I will be at work. Not only when you get to your destination will I start working, but as you journey, I will be working. And it's important for us to remember that, friends. Because so often, if you're anything like me, you want to look at the tangible outcome to say that God has been at work. But as Chaz alluded to once again, it's in the journey, friends, that God shapes and molds. It's in the journey that God brings the blessing. It's in the journey, friends, that we are called to be a blessing. And so this morning, I want to preach about, or I want to share about being outwardly focused, being relevant to the world around you, living for more than just yourself, looking up and looking out. Looking up and looking out. Today I want to speak about a life worth living, friends. Because I think you might agree with me that not just this last year, possibly the year before that, possibly even preceding the last two years, friends, situations and circumstances have evolved in such a way that maybe we were looking out, but more and more our vision has changed and we start looking in, and we start looking inward, and our world slowly shrinks and becomes smaller and smaller. And my challenge to myself this morning, and my challenge to you this morning, is that we were never called to be small. We were never called to be small. Scriptures that speak, greater is he that is in you that is, that is greater than, than he that is in the world, friends, speaks to a God who is big, but it speaks, friends, to promises and inheritance that is huge as well. And if you find yourself, or if you find yourself looking more in than you are looking out, I trust this morning that God will stir your heart. So I'm going to give you two, I'm going to give you my two points. I literally only have two points this morning. And I'm going to give you my two points up front. And then we're going to pray and then we're going to get stuck in. To look out, friends, requires that you initially continually look in. It sounds contradictory, but it's not. You'll see when I, when I get to that. To look out requires that we continually look in first. And the second point this morning is to look out requires that you continually look to. To look out requires that you continually look to friends. And we'll have a look at that one as well. So won't you bow your heads? And I would love to pray this morning because I definitely need help. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, for this season. Honestly, we do. We thank you, Father, that you have called us, that you have positioned us, that you've enabled and equipped us, that you're with us for this season, Lord. Father, it is not coincidental and it is never random. And so I pray this morning, Lord, not just for this morning, but for the weeks and the months ahead, that you would continually, Lord, speak to us, continually woo us, continually challenge us, continually lead us, Lord, into the calling 
both corporately and individually that exists. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So to look out requires that you continually look in. Turn with me, friends, to the book of Philippians. We're going to be reading from chapter 2, just a couple of verses. As you'll do that, you'll, you'll, you'll see that when you read your Bible, friends, there are many, many examples, many examples of both men and women that have lived for others in both a good and a bad way. But as you know, we're all about Jesus, and so we want to look at his life this morning and see what, it, what did Jesus do? What did, how did he change? What had to put, be put in place in his life? Because if you'll agree with me, Jesus was someone who lived for others, yes? He lived for the world. He lived for the Father's will. And so if we want to learn, friends, about what it means to live for others, guess where we go? We go to the life of Jesus and we go and see, well, what happened in his life? What set him up? What was part of his makeup which allowed him to do this? So let's read together Philippians 2, and we're going to be reading verses 5 to 8. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I'm reading from the ESV. What will be up on the screen is from the ESV as well, so maybe your wording might be slightly different if you're reading a different translation, but it doesn't matter. The, the message is the same. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Took the humble position of a slave, friends, and was born as a human being. So when I read, friends, about the position that Jesus took, it tells me that he had no issue, he had no issue, friends, with personal discomfort, personal harm. It seemed immaterial to him. What was most important was serving the Father's will, friends. Proverbs 4.23, once again, reading from the, from the ESV, sorry, from the NLT. It says, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Some other translations say this. They say, guard your heart, for from there your life starts. Guard your heart... Because it is the wellspring from which life begins. So we see Jesus, friends, intentionally choosing, intentionally choosing to guard his heart prior to his public ministry. Intentionally choosing to position his life, posture his heart, friends, so that he could be someone that served and looked out. Others were more important than him. At the moment, in our household, friends, 
excuse me, at the moment in our household. The path of life is being discussed. Why? Because my eldest daughter, she just finished grade 12 last year. This year, she's going up to Pretoria. She's going to Varsity at Tiki's friends. And so much of what we are talking about, much of the conversation that is happening between myself and my wife at the moment, Nikki, much of what we're discussing as a family is, well, where do, where, where do we go in life? How do we set ourselves up for success? How do we make sure that what is happening on the outside is good and is solid? And as my wife and I have sat and discussed this, what we've realized, friends, is that actually there's not much that we can do right now other than one or two or three small things. But what we have to trust, friends, is that the foundation that has been laid is a foundation that she can build on that is going to be able to withstand and hold her life, friends. And I'm saying all of that, friends, because when we look at a life that looks out, we have to build, we have to look in first and build a foundation. Build a foundation that is going to carry what you want to do, what you want to fulfill, what you are called to do. Jesus understood this, and that's why in Philippians 2, we see what was intentionally done. You see choices that were made. It wasn't random coincidences. It wasn't something that Jesus stumbled across. It is things that he intentionally chose to do. Read with me verse 7. It says, instead, uh, instead he gave up his divine privileges. As I was reading this yesterday, wrapping up my, my, my preparation, friends, and as I sat and just was dwelling on these scriptures and these phrases within verses, what occurred to me is actually what is so much more empowering, I believe, is when you look at what did, she, well, what did Jesus choose to do versus what did he let go. Because somehow when I think personally, if I'm vulnerable with you, if I think about things that I've got to give up, it doesn't seem empowering. But when I think about what I need to choose to do, and as I make that choice, the consequence is I give this up. It seems so much more empowering for me. And so with that mindset, I went back and I read, what did Jesus choose to do? And you'll see so much of it, friends, speaks not to our, how do we, the methodology of looking out. But it speaks to the heart that needs to, I believe, be postured and positioned first before we look out. So let's read quickly. Instead, he gave up. His divine privileges. Jesus chose to not be entitled, friends. Jesus chose to not be entitled. To me, in that whole, ver that, that whole section of Scripture that we read, one of the most powerful verses, I believe, 
is the verse that says, verse 6, the beginning of verse 6, though he was God. Though he was God. So that tells me, friends, that everything that he chose to do, there were multiple other choices that could have been made because he is God. Amen? And in the context of that, this is what he chose to do, to give up his privileges. What privilege? Well, he was the son of God. We're going to look at another text when Jesus was tempted, what he could have done to be able to ask for intervention and help. But he chose to live a life not entitled as a man, friends. And so for me, as we are those that are wanting to be looking out, and I've looked, as I've scrutinized my own heart, I've realized that to successfully be able to look out, I need to live an unentitled life. Because if I live an entitled life, guess who is the focus of my entitlement? me. And by default, you cannot claim to be living a life that is looking out when the focus of the looking is me. (laughs) It's contradictory. And so we need to learn to deal with our hearts and to deal with attitudes of entitlement before God and learn to live unentitled lives, friends. Verse 7b because it's all, it's all within the context of one verse, this. So I've just called it 7b. It says, he took up the position of a slave and was born as a human being. He took up the position of a slave and was born as a human being. What was the choice that Jesus made there? Well, he chose authority. He chose authority. Now I come back to, this whole whole section starts, though he was God, he chose to put himself under authority, friends. You see, by choosing the position of a slave, if you're a slave, by default you have a, you have a, a master. So immediately, friends, you have the situation of authority. And Jesus understood, if I want to live a life worth living, if I want to be someone who is looking out and not looking at me all the time, if I want to fulfill the Father's um, will, if I want to walk in the covenant that was given to Abraham, which by default is the covenant given to you and I, called, blessed, To be a blessing, I need to choose authority. Now, many of us, friends, including me sometimes, we kick up against that thing because we don't like authority. But once again, we look in before we look out. We take our hearts, friends, and we bring it in submission, under authority, because we understand that when we live lives in authority, we live lives empowered, empowered. That very thing that you think you're giving up is the very thing that is given straight back to you in submission to authority, friends. 
So Jesus chose not to live entitled. He chose to live in authority. And this one for me, I don't think there is a, a, a priority of one to three in terms of importance in, in, in what you choose here. But this one to me would be close to being up there if you had to want to rank these. It says, He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So what did Jesus choose here? Remember, we, we, we're talking about making, choo- making choosers, <laughs> making choices that posture and position our heart that enable us, friends, to live a life worth living. What did Jesus choose when the Bible says he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross? Well, he chose and you would have heard this preached many times last year. He chose lordship. He chose lordship. Remember the story of Jesus on his knees in the, in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane? Crying three times, Father, Father, remove this cup. In other words, make it different, Lord. Take this away from me. This is too difficult. Three times coming to the Father and saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. And eventually saying, not my will, but your will be done. At that moment, friends, choosing lordship. Choosing lordship. Now, these, these three things, individually, friends, are sermon series journeys on their own. We could preach weeks about each of these topics. And in the past, this past year, we have touched on many of these in what has been preached, friends. And so I'm, I, I'm not going to attempt to try and preach this individually. But all I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage you this morning, friends. Posture and position your heart. We need to look in before we can successfully look out. You want to live a life worth living? It doesn't come, friends, with the bells and the whistles that you can see around you. That is there and that is to be enjoyed. Absolutely, 100%. The covenant, the promise given to Abraham is that you will be Blessed. And so we enjoy what we have and we enjoy what God has given us. But it's on the basis of friends of understanding that what we have is not ours. It is God's. And when he calls us to give it, we give it. But before we do that, we need to dig those four meter wide foundations We need to get the TLB in, if need be. In some areas of my life, these guys will know they're on the same team that I'm on. You need to get the excavator in sometimes. You're not just digging something that is an inch deep. You need to dig something that is 10 meters deep. Why? Because the call of God, friends, is so big that what he wants to build on that foundation, what he wants to build on that foundation requires a foundation that goes down deep. And that's why I love the prophetic picture of the foundations that were dug for Outlook Church. 
Prophetically, it speaks to me, friends, and I get excited about it. It speaks to me, friends, about God, what God wants to do through Outlook Church. Because he started by digging foundations that can carry weight. Each of these choices that Jesus made, postures and positions our hearts, friends, to live within the boundaries of the covenant and the promises that were made initially to Abraham, but now to you and I. You see, friends, our relationship with the Father, it is about free choice. You can sit and you can hear this now this morning, and you can choose to put into practice, or you can choose to ignore. It's the Father's prerogative. He gives us free choice. But friends, he gives us free choice. It's not about the do's and the don'ts. He gives us free choice within the context of love. I choose to do things for my wife, for my family, not because I have to do things for them. Not because somewhere written in the Father's to be a good father manual, you need to do one to 99. And so make sure you do all 99 things and you can wear the naughty badge that says you're a good father. No. I do things for them because I love them. I do things for my wife because I love her. We do things for the Father, the Heavenly Father, because we love Him, friends. We choose not because we have to, not because there are do's and don'ts. We choose because we first loved. Jesus was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? In the context of the Pharisees knowing that there were 10 great commandments. Jesus said, make love your priority. Love the Father, love your neighbor. But he went on to say, friends, that within, he said, the whole of the law, go and read it, the whole of the law is wrapped up in these two commandments, the calling to love. So for me, as I learn to love the Father, I learn to freely choose what the Father wants. My response is not out of obligation. It is out of love. Friends, when we love as we should do, we will choose as we should do. When we love as we should, we will choose as we should. Jesus understood that. And so before he went and healed the sick and preached the good news and did all these miracles and did the outward ministry that the world could see, what preceded that was Jesus positioning and posturing, posturing his heart, friends. Philippians 2. And you and I are called to do that. 
So we look in before we look out. And then lastly, just very quickly, to look out requires, friends, that we continually look to. Turn with me quickly to Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11. I'm going to try and just give you the overall picture because I don't believe we have the time, friends, to read the full text. But you'll recall Jesus prior once again to his public ministry. So what the understanding is, all these things that were happening, or that Jesus was part of, leading up to his public ministry, friends, was setting him up for victory in his public ministry. And one of those occasions, if you remember, is when Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert to be tempted by Satan. And you'll remember, if we read, the temptations that Satan brought to him. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Matthew 4, verse 3. And Jesus responded, friends, by looking to the Word. Verse 5, it says, Then the devil took him up to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump! Jump! For the Scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you. And we see, friends, that Jesus refutes or rebuts that once again by referring to Scripture. The third time, verse 9, it says, The devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said, I will give it all to you if, if, Lordship, if you will kneel down and worship me. Jesus said, move on, Satan. Get out of here. So what did he say? He said, get out of here. So I've got no time for you. You see, friends, if you go back, and I'm just thinking now, even thinking while I'm speaking. See, guys can do more than one thing at once. I would love, and maybe this is some homework for you. I would love for you to take those three temptations that Jesus faced and go back to Philippians 2 and go and see if there's a link between each temptation and the position that Jesus chose in, in posturing his heart, not entitlement. Not about, well, it's about lordship. I believe, friends, there's a link. If you go and have a look at it, and I haven't, so I'm not going to even try. But if you, you got, you got three things that Jesus chose, and you got three temptations, friends, that Jesus went through. And I believe, friends, you will find a link between the two. But that's not my point this morning. That's just something that came to mind now. In each of those, friends, we see Jesus Goes through the temptation, it says, he referenced Scripture, God's holy word. God's divine, empowered, awesome, world-creating word, Jesus said, the Scriptures say. If I'm vulnerable with you, friends, 
and I'll be very vulnerable with you. You know, we, we're involved in timber contracting. We, 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 we run some timber contracting businesses. And if you had to look at what we do through the eyes of the world, you would say, well, you've got a good thing going. In our, in our business environment, safety is huge, as it is in many of the industries that you work in. For the last two years running, we've been awarded through NOSA, which is a third-party independent uh, 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 safety management accreditation. We've been awarded what they call the NOSCAR award for the last two years running. What that says is that in our industry, and that's both from small company to major corporates, including Mondi and Sapi and all those guys. We are the top. We are the most safe company in the whole industry. And you hear that sort of thing and you get awarded that. And you know what starts to happen? That little voice that comes to you, like it came to Jesus, says, whoa, Wow. Gee, you've done well. You get awarded, friends, within the context of the companies we work for, Contractor of the Year Award. Multiple times. That same voice comes back to you and says, yes, well done. Who did this? Who did this? And you start going, hmm, I wonder. You look at your operational performance, you look at your financial performance, friends, very good, very good. Friends, that voice comes in many different shapes and forms. And I'm sharing with you what I'm sharing now because I have been in that position multiple times. Just do this, just do that. Just acknowledge this. Just pat yourself on the back. Just reward yourself. My word, you've, look how well you've done. And the temptation, friends, is to want to. And then you remember what you need to look to. Actually, we've achieved what we've achieved by the grace of God. We have what we have because we are called to live under the covenant, we will be blessed to be a blessing. My encouragement, friends, is when you begin to look out, that small voice will come if it hasn't already. And I want to encourage you to look too, not to yourself, because that's the temptation, but to look to God's word to look to him, and once again, to posture and position yourself, friends, to live a life worth living. Won't you stand, please? <clears throat> I'm going to conclude just by reading, actually, I'm going to read it from the screen, because I want to read the ESV version of this, not the NLT version. So if we can bring up Hebrews 11, verses 8 to 9. Speaking about the same guy who was called to leave his father's inheritance and go to a place that I will show you. Hebrews 11, the chapter of faith, 
where, it, where it, 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 it mentions many people of faith. It says this about Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, this is what I'd love to leave with you this morning, this statement. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise. He went to live in the land of promise. Abraham's land, friends, was not determined by sight. It was not determined by location. The inheritance that Abraham lived in was big. Because he was encouraged, friends. Leave and go to where I'm going to show you. You want to live a life worth living, friends. Allow God to stir your heart about some of those things that you might be called to leave. And journey towards where God wants you to go. I tell you now, you won't necessarily know the complete picture. But my encouragement to you is to go nonetheless. Journey with God. Go live in the land of the promises of the Father. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be able to look at your word. Holy Spirit, ultimately you are the spirit of truth. You are the teacher. You stir, you prob, you, 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 you know our hearts. And so I pray that this word would settle, Heavenly Father, on our hearts. And that I, as we know your word to be empowered and enabled, it would go to work in our hearts and in our lives for this season. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.